You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. All right, super stoked for this podcast. I've got the purchasing agent slash gear expert, Ethan Klein from Gohan on here. He's smiling when I call him an expert, but that's his title. <laughs> Today to talk about gear and then eventually talk about this bighorn sheep that he shot over in Arizona. Are we saying where you shot it? In Arizona? Yeah, I posted it. So it's, okay. you do the game of fish check-in, they post it anyway. So okay. it's this bighorn sheep that he shot with uh, only six points this year. Again, he is the anomaly. He is the one, the chosen one that got it, uh, obviously on the random. So there is a chance. I always like that. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, and, right. uh, Ethan is that guy. So Ethan, man, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I feel like we've been chatting a little bit. How's, how was your holidays? Really good, dude. It was nice getting out with the kids and trying to recoup from, we were over in Arizona for 14 days oh. hunting coos deer and then hunting elk. And then- since then, we've I haven't really haven't hunted, so we've been riding dirt bikes a lot. Every weekend, going out with the kids and hitting dirt bikes and doing that thing. And I bought a new, an old CR500. I've been working on that. And I'll leave for Sonora next Thursday for 10 days. Oh, there you go. For, uh, for mule deer or coos deer? Or? Coos deer. Nice. Coos deer. I'm very excited for this hunt. I'm, I don't want to say I'm going to shoot a giant buck, but from what I'm gathering, we're hunting desert ranches and the ranch we're going to. Is like the only ranch with water right now because of the drought, and they actually trucked water in. So they're pulling deer from all the ranches around it into this ranch. And some of the pictures I'm seeing, they're freaks. One of the bucks that they shot this week down there, the G2s or the main beams, I'm sorry, basically cross. They come up, they, they, it's close I've ever seen to a main beam crossing. It's, they killed that buck this week down there. There's a lot of big bucks, and I'm just freaking amped to go down there. You're still in hunt mode then. It's not over for 2023 seasons. Oh, it's not over. January. It's not over. No, it's not over. Yeah. My wife is, you're going where? Yeah. I told you, I booked, I it's one of our customers and I booked it in like beginning of the year and we're going to Sonora. I want to kill a giant goose deer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in hunt mode. I'm getting out this weekend and going to try to either stick a javelina or a deer with my bow. And then I might try to get out next weekend too, but it's we got two weeks left basically to, to hunt in the states yeah there's a lot of dudes it's cool because you just know where they are because they're all it's all these desert pictures right now of guys glassing over there and that's really a neat opportunity you guys have over there to, to chase deer in the rut in january and yeah yeah my, I mean, i've been doing it for forever i grew up doing it with my dad and now it's i'm going to a new unit this year because it was a closer drive from vegas so <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah so when you go to because i know like when i leave vegas and i go to utah so i go hunt over there there's like a little corner that you drive into that's the strip so is yeah, that how you would enter is that how you would go to over to no Arizona? so i go south so like you come in from vegas and then you instead of going north to utah you go like southeast over like you cross the hoover dam and then you go okay. to kingman and then kingman you either go down to flagstaff or even further south to phoenix yeah, I've hunted uh, California side through like searchlight and go down to Yuma. Um, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I've hunted a lot over there. A few of those units in the in the teen numbers. Mm-hmm. So there's some deer. There's some javelina. Oh, yeah. There's it's yeah. going to be. Uh, you're going to have some fun for sure. Hopefully. That's mule deer country. So you're hunting mule deer desert, more deserty stuff. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm trying to do this weekend, and then I've, I grew up hunting the south in, in south of Tucson, and 
I think we're going to go back and try to do that again and maybe do some coos deer stuff because I just miss hunting coos deer, honestly. That's what I grew up doing, and I want to get back to that. Yeah, they definitely have my fancy. Those are my favorite deer, hands down. It'll probably be the only, I don't know, all my stuff's in the house, but if when I go to Sonora, if I shoot a big buck, like I don't really do a lot of shoulder mounts. I want a shoulder mount, and I'm like, I want that one in the office. Like, I want that one in my office. Like, I just, there's something about them. They're just the coolest deer ever made. For a shoulder mount, they're pretty small still. Like they're can, small, you yeah. You'll put it anywhere. Like it, yeah. a big coos deer is still small compared to a big mule deer. It's a German yeah. shepherd. <laughs> I yeah. swear. <laughs> I swear it's a big German shepherd. It's all they are. Yeah, um, for sure. They're small targets. That's awesome, dude. So what do you do at Go Hunt? So I talked to Dave Barnett and he does like the draw odds. So everyone is mad he at Dave a lot now. Of our research. Yeah. 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 So I'm on the e-commerce team. So I'm titles buyer and, and gear expert. So pretty much what that means is I work with vendors like yourself and send you purchase orders and get in the shop and get it live and stuff's out of stock that's on me. So you can, if, if customers have someone to blame, you can blame this guy. But yeah, it's purchase orders and stuff like that. And so my vendors or my categories I cover is optics. I do the knives and cutlery. I do nutrition. So all of our supplements and food and stuff like that. And then I have a few random gear things here and there. Like I have, I work with Matt at Final Rise to do the Upland stuff trying to bring on some more muzzleloader stuff. So like with CVA and just a conglomerate of, of gear stuff, we all kind of share between the buy group. But my main focus is optics and then nutrition and, and knives. Gotcha. Yeah. And I can say that you guys, you guys do run out of stock a lot on Tracer stuff. I have to send you it more was, stuff. It was <laughs> insane. I remember talking this time last year and we were like, yeah, man, we're for, we love the product. We're going to bring it in. We I think we might do this amount. And I we blew that number out of the water. Like it's been a great year. So... Yeah, you like 10x anything I thought you yeah. were going to do. Yeah, um, we did. <laughs> it's been a crazy year for Tracer. It's been really cool. And the cool thing is like all that growth, which was so exponential, was essentially on four products, mm-hmm. right? The two tripods, the panhead, and the bino adapter. And now we're bringing on 10 new products, Yeah, which are just as cool. And we have no plans on stopping. There's stuff coming down the pike later on this year that's just mind-blowing. And I'm excited to see what happens with that and just... Partnering with you guys and working with Cody Nelson and you have just been, it's been phenomenal. An incredible well, when you partner. make a good product, it makes it easy. I think that like your panhead and tripod, whether you whether you want the AD or the BC, I'm pretty sure everyone in here is running that tripod now because yeah. you just you bring it in, you show it to them. They're like, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. We're going to run that. So when you make a good product, it makes it easy to sell and makes it easy to market, makes it easy to do everything. So that's awesome. It's good to hear that. I had a guy put a review video out last week. And or a couple weeks ago, and I feel like it was a hit piece. And he had the exact opposite opinions of the thousands of customers that I have, and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's all I, even when gear you talk about gear, everything comes down to personal preference. Yeah, and it could I could think it's the best tripod that we carry in the shop right now, but like someone else gets it and they like flip locks or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just yeah. there's little knickknacks where you can't like. You can't serve the whole entire population. Everyone's going to have their personal preference. And that's what's the cool thing on, on my end of things is I get to touch all these pro- different products. And then I don't do as much of the customer talking like I used to. But if a customer comes into the shop and they're like, I want to do this, then Paul's out there running point on that and just like figuring out what they want and then putting them into the gear that that either we think is the best or what suits them the best. Yeah, I, I want to meet Paul. I've been talking to him a little bit, texting him back and forwards. Like mm-hmm. he seems like super talented in like his design aspect. 
Oh yeah. And like, it's like he put a, a like a thing together for Tricer in your showroom. And I'm like, dude, yeah. I would never be able to do that. He seems a super oh, yeah. a picture artistic. Of that. I sent him your number. I was like, dude, you got to send that to Drew. He's going to love that. So yeah, I'm going to get him a, I'm going to make a bitch and sign for you guys. It's going to match it. So I yeah, actually yeah, shop, so I'm going to cool. make something for it. So <clears throat> working with my creative director right now and getting some designs for it. I'm going to cut it out and make it look sweet for you guys. I want you guys to like your success is my success. And I'm, I'm just so jacked that you guys are even putting it in your showroom. I never would have fathomed that a year ago. Yeah, No, it looks um, really good out there. Yeah. I like it. So yeah. So you're always trying gear, seeing gear. I wanted to talk today. I want to talk about your sheep talk about that stuff, but I'm super jacked because I had all this new gear show up in my house today, new Tricer products coming out. Cause I have a plethora of products coming out. So I wanted to like just run through them with you. You already put a PO in. So I don't need to sell you on them, but um, <laughs> but I want to show you them and go over them with you and show you what's going on with some of the new stuff and talk about it on the podcast a little yeah. bit. And then we'll get into some stories and stuff, dudes. Yeah, let's look at some stuff and see we got some new stuff coming out. So cool. one of the new things, which I think is really sweet, is this Tricer KS. This is our, it's the kill shot, right? It is a phone to tripod adapter. And so all this is an adapter to lock your phone onto a tripod. There's a bunch of like cheap ones on Amazon for 20 bucks that are plastic and they don't hold and they suck. And I'm like, these things suck. I need something that's going to work well. So I made this like fully skeletonized Arca Swiss built into it adapter that is just, you can see the back of it. There's nothing there. Every piece of metal has been taken out of it and has a ball head on it. And you'll be able to take your phone and put it in any direction you want, turn your phone and lock around your tripod. So this is like my big thing with this is I'm always trying to, you talked about a little bit, like I see a need for this because like when you go and take that kill shot or you're taking a field photo or whatever you're doing, I feel like everything's so content driven right now. I'm always like propped up on a rock. What are your thoughts on that? For sure. Yeah. Like I've taken, I think I, my elk that I killed in Nevada a couple of years back, like I was solo on it. And so it was like setting up my pack and then getting the phone like doing a video or doing a timer, running around, moving the bowl around, like all that kind of stuff. It's just, and then your phone falls off the pack and you're like, yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I think with everything nowadays in in our world is so content driven, even everything we do here at Gohan, we're always doing something on a camera. And so having something like that, where you can just stick it on your tripod and you've already got your tripod with you. So it's like super easy to just throw it on there, take the photo you want, actually get good photos Yep. that you, you're going to cherish forever. And then it's small enough where you put it in your kill kit, right? So you have yep. it next to your knife or your game bag set and you have that in a bag already. Just throw that right on top of that bag and it's right there ready to go. Or if you're going to do something where it's, hey, like we do product reviews out in the field a lot too. And so maybe we set that up or we're taking a break from glassing. Like it's going to be, for anyone that wants to use it, there's going to be a use for it. So I think it's a great product. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Um and I, what I use it for too, this year was fun, is I used it to do like time lapse of me like cleaning animals too. Oh yeah, that's a good one. It's cool. Put it up. And then I never posted the video. So I'm like, oh, what if somebody complains? I didn't take enough rib meat. <laughs> the internet's so finicky. So I never on. put, so I'm like, I think I did post one of my kid doing it. I did my kid did his own coos deer. And I'm like, we need to freaking clean that thing. Totally. Yeah. But uh, what about this? Have you used it? I was just thinking of that while you're talking, use it to watch your form for shooting a bow. Yeah, you totally you could. Need- you need to film yourself or if you're watching yourself, like when you're shooting a rifle, you can set it up on yourself. Are you flinching it when you're the last little squeeze or I guess Brady would say pull of the trigger? Are you flinching? Are you, when you're at full draw, are you dipping the front of the bow real quick? Like you can track all of that now with just setting up on your tripod right there. Yeah. I, I literally will never not have in my pack after this year running it. It's, this is just convenient. I love having it, just setting it up. You said just for things, not only that, 
I think the guys at Olin are incredible. Oh yeah. Right. And everyone's into this, like putting your phone on the magnet and watching the stuff in your tent. Like I- I'm going to put that yeah. squash now because you can use this thing. You can just turn your phone. You can <laughs> so, watch movies on your tripod. And like, sorry, Nate, you know, this. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Think I think more did that on their, one of their hunts last year. And yeah. Oh, it started to trend. I did it after seeing that I started doing it and I see a bunch yeah. of guys on the internet doing it. But now with this, I could just put my phone on here and watch a movie in the tent with my kids. Like we, it's one thing, something we do on our hunts is we'll download like Batman or Marvel yeah, or Avengers, right. whatever, and we'll watch a movie. Especially when you get rained out, it's nice to lay down, and watch a movie, and fall asleep. It's just one of those memories my kids have with me. So yeah, that's the KS, dude. So I'm I'm pretty jacked on this and uh, super light, super simple, right? Fast, light, simple. It's our deal. It's our gimmick. What's uh, it weigh? I think it's four ounces. Nice. It's super Sweet. light. I mean, yeah. the stuff out there is way heavier. This thing, I took every bit of material out of it that I could mm-hmm. to get as light as possible. So KS, that thing is sick. Everyone's going to want to have one of those in their pack. And it's a quality piece of gear, not a crappy piece of plastic. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's just like our panhead. It's like a quality piece of gear. Right. So then we got into, right now, everyone wants the shooting. Everyone wants to shoot off our tripod. That's the thing. Everyone wants to Jeez. shoot. So we came up with some shooting rests, right? But they had to be build aluminum they had to be not plastic and they had to be quality with arca built into them so the first one we got is the fg and that is like a 1.7 i'm doing these off the top of my head 1.7 ounce shooting yoke it fits in your pocket it's arca swiss put it on your pan head you've got a shooting rest in your pocket ready to go it is an incredible piece of gear love it i like the yokes because it's so easy to just lay your rifle in there there's no there's no additional setup after that. You screw it into the, the Arca Swiss and then lay your rifle in there and you're ready to go. Especially if you need to make a quick shot, something's going on, mm-hmm. or you just need a front rest. Like it's perfect. Or you again, I know we had Anthony from Phoenix Shooting Bags in a while back and he was showing us how he shoots off a tripod and puts one of the bigger bags under his elbow to stabilize it and then it just sits on top. Now you have a yoke and you don't have, I love those bags, but I don't want to carry more than one around. So yeah. now it's, you know what I mean? It's, I'd rather have one where it just sits there and I have a rest and then one, I can lay my rifle on a tripod. So I love it. Yeah. You can even run like, like I know Gritty Bowman does it like a, one of these on another tripod behind you and have two, yeah. so you're double stacked and have that extra stability there. So it's a rabbit piece of gear. And something I do with these is I'll actually like, if I'm hiking around with my kids, I'll have it on the tripod. I'll mm-hmm. be carrying my tripod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I often yeah. just carry my tripod with me instead of having my pack because that way it's like and most time it's it'll be like half set up because I don't want to do full length. But that way, if something pops up or I, you bump up a, an elk out of a drainage, you're ready to go because if your, ba- your tripod's in your backpack and you're standing in three foot manzanita, you're not going to be able to yeah. shoot it. So no. I have the shooting yoke ready to go. So that way, if something yeah. pops up, they can get on the gun and kill it. It's way more stable than shooting sticks, in my opinion, oh, yeah. or like setting up your trekking poles in that that x or yeah. y or whatever yeah. you want to call it and trying to shoot off that it's way better than that so again 1.7 ounces fits yeah. on your pan head it's a great piece of gear the other one that we came out with which i think is really slick is the rg and that's the rotating gun rest right so we have the fixed gun rest the fg actually field goal is what it came from but <laughs> fg i have fun with the names the rg is the rotating gun rest and that one is the same thing. Like you could run that on your panhead. It's Arca Swiss built into it. They're also 3816 and quarter 20 adapted. So you can run that on your panhead all day long. It's phenomenal. But one thing I really love about it is like, this is my new Coyote setup. It's just a BC tripod with no panhead and the RG on top. 
Yeah, that's what I was liking about it the most when I first saw it was like the panning ability in it. And so like you could go no tripod head. And like you were saying, if you wanted to have two tripods where you have one that is your shooting tripod and one's your glassing tripod, you don't want a pan head on your shooting tripod. Mm-hmm. Or even you don't even want to, maybe you don't want a ball head either. You have that where you just like you're left and you're ready to go. So I so, think without having to pick up the tripod and then, you know, adjusting from there. So you could run it on your pan head all day long as Arca. You're not going to switch your stuff out when you're in the field. But I like it for like my coyote setup because it's a fluid head gun dressed and it's like 2.7 ounces, something stupid. It's, it's super light. So you just crack this knob and your head spit, your shooting yoke spins now. So like when I'm coyote hunting, like I want it to be as simple as possible because I do know that sometimes a coyote's coming in and he's coming into my right. I got to move that tripod over, right? Mm-hmm. And then shoot them. And this is a super simple setup for that. I can track the dog with it. And I'm, I love killing coyotes. Like it's like my, one of my favorite things to do. Like I honestly, if I could have to pick between bird hunting and coyote hunting, I would pick coyotes every time. Yeah. Um, it's so fun. So yeah, that's my coyote setup is this BC now with the shooting yoke. And it's just been a great setup to shoot off of and to just have, you know, hunting versus a lot of this stuff out there is just like crazy complicated triggers on them and all this stuff. And it's just like, Something I want simple, and that's what this is, mm-hmm. right? Fast, light, simple. It's yeah. an awesome setup for cow hunting, for having your pack for elk, whatever you're doing, deer. You can use it for everything. But I'm stoked on. I'm stoked on running it without a pan head as well. Like I said, cool piece of gear. Yeah, I think it's cool because you can put a you can put a plate on it and just run it on your pan head if you want. No, it to. has Arca built into it. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, it's all it, everything is Arca. So it's round on the bottom, but it's actually got Arca cut into it. Oh, I got you. Everything is Arca. Full disclosure, the LP will be ARCA the next batch you get. Mm. <laughs> the the BP panhead, which we'll talk about in a minute, is ARCA. We're okay. going to we're getting an ARCA clamp set up and we're having a full ARCA system. So you'll be able to switch through panheads, throw your panhead onto potentially maybe if someone created a truck mount, right. you'll be able to switch onto that or window mount, you'll be able to switch onto that. I'm working on that at some point. Everyone wants a window mount and just yeah, haven't sure. got there yet. <laughs> yeah. So everything is ARCA. So you'll be able to switch through them. So all of our mounts all of our rests, everything is ARCA. Just that's where I think the industry should go. I think every spying scope should be ARCA. And I think all my competition should be ARCA because it's yeah, just, I agree. It's, it's, just, it's easier. You're not having to switch between a bunch of different plates or anything like that. So, yeah. Plus, if you want to run, say you like something my competition makes more than mine, if it's ARCA, then you can just put it on my pan head, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. It's just so it's simple. Better. Yeah. They have one setup, right? Like why not have everything be the same throughout the industry? And I think that's where we're going as a whole is ARCA. I think everyone's making the switch now and seeing the light that ARCA is the way of the future. We don't need to have six different mounts out there. Just all go ARCA. So then the other one, which we've shot in probably like 10 animals off of this year between me and my group of friends is the GC gun clamp. And this thing is sick. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one I had ready to kill this thing. Kill your sheep. Yeah. I didn't end up using it because I shot prone, but yeah, I had it in my pack ready to go if I needed it. So for me, like I love the gun rests. And for me, for my kids, I love the GC because it clamps the rifle in it and it just makes it like that much more foolproof. So it is a 9.7 ounce billet machined piece of art. It is an incredible gun clamp. I've had people give me slack. Oh, you're copying whatever I'll say. You're copying triclops. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like their thing, theirs is polymer. It doesn't have Arca built into it. It's bigger. Like I, mm-hmm. this is a backpack specific hunting gun clamp that is, it's legit. The whole bottom of it is a three inch long Arca rail. So you can just slap it on your, on your pan head and shoot with it. We killed three elk in Utah over 300 yards of this thing this year. 
Wow. Three out of the five elk were shot off of this, off of my tripod, off a, of an LP panhead, and we killed three of the five elk over 300 yards with this panhead or with this gun clamp. No. My kid shot a mule deer in Utah this year off of it. My friend shot two or three axis deer off of it. We shot a coos buck off of it. It's just an incredible piece of gear, super light and smaller is my thing. Like I didn't, yeah. I, I, I like some of the clamps out there, but I just, there's issues I had with them. Like they're just really big, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not <clears throat> like, there's this weird crossover between PRS and hunting. And it's, I don't want to carry PRS stuff in the field. I want to carry small light stuff in the field. And that's where the GC came from is I wanted to make it smaller, not necessarily, it is lighter, but I want it to be smaller. So it's more compact. So I think there's a big loss there with people like, oh, they're worried about weight, but volume is also a thing that really matters to me in my pack, right? How big is that? How much space is it taking up my pack? Could it fit in my pocket? So that's where the GC came from. And then with the Arca built into it, one thing I've had issues with other clamps in the past is when you, it's a, you bolt it in the middle, you're basically putting a four foot pry bar on there with your rifle. You got to spin your rifle and now this thing's coming loose on you. Right. It's really hard to keep them, st- keep them locked in. And this thing is completely built into it. Fully skeletonized. It is a slick piece of gear. This is probably the most asked about piece of uh, gear we have coming out right now is this GC gun clamp. Everyone and their mom was trying to get me to give them one for <laughs> <laughs> for their hunts this fall. I was like, no, I got to give them to Ethan. So Ethan had one. <laughs> There's only yeah, one. I did. Yeah, it was sweet, man. It was like, like I said, I had it ready to go, like just in case we were going to be, because I I assumed being in sheep country, I wasn't going to get a prone shot. I was going to be on some slope shooting onto another slope. And so I was fully prepared to set up the tripod, clamp my gun in and be ready to go from there. And I ended up getting a prone shot somehow, shooting at a 45 degree angle, but (laughs) it was there. But yeah, man, I thought that I tested it at the range before I went out too. And the last time I went out and I was ringing steel on it at 800 yards. And I was yeah. just, I was so comfortable to be just, just sitting down with, I had a bag underneath me and just that gun would not move, especially like people. One of the questions we get asked is, oh, is the LP pan head, can it handle the weight of a gun? Yeah, it totally can. <laughs> yeah. It's been done by a lot of people already to have that LP and then just the, the gun clamp just sitting on top and just lays it in, screws it in. And it was super easy. So I really liked it. I wish I could have used it, but I got to take that prone shot when you, when you get it. Yeah, you know? I'm taking the prone shot. 10 out of 10 times. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I tell people all the time, like people get so caught up in the shooting off of tripods thing and <clears throat> which it has its place, right? Like when we were in Utah this year, like you, we were not shooting prone because we were Canyon to Canyon and we were in like tall brush, like Manzanitas. You could not get a shot. It was, you're going to have to shoot off a tripod because you're basically sitting with your feet below you because you're, you're shooting so steep. You had to be on a tripod. But when there's an opportunity to find a rock, if I can find a rock and get my kids set up prone all day long, I'm doing that. Why would I fight to get a tripod set up to shoot off of if I can shoot prone? So I would get so caught up. And again, this is it's this PRS thing blending into hunting, right? Like that's another thing people, their biggest concern is, can I shoot off of it? Yes, of course you can. Like our panhead has proven that animal after animal. I, it's so crazy how this panhead, that LP is phenomenal. It, it handles anything you put on it. Big rifles. <laughs> it's, it's been really cool. Yeah, sure. I tell people all the time, though, don't turn it into your range head. Like I would never recommend you taking it to the range and just putting a hundred rounds through it a week because it's a four ounce pan head. Yeah, like I just, mean, at some point, it's you're gonna yeah. mess something up. You're shooting your mags off of it, put a thousand rounds over the thing. But for hunting situations, I've had no complaints from anybody, and everyone is pleasantly surprised with how well it does. Um, yeah, so that is the GC with the KS. Another cool thing coming out is the. NL and ELR vinyl clamps we have coming out. And these are binocular mounts specifically made for the NL Pure and EL Range vinyl. 
So we do have a universal coming out as well, which is super slick. But I felt that $3,000 bin- binoculars deserved their own custom-made clamp. And it turned out awesome. So my whole goal with it was I didn't want to see like a bolt sticking up. I don't want to take a $3,000 pair of binoculars and put something on there and have a bolt sticking out of it and have this like ugly clamp. I wanted something that was aluminum mm-hmm. and looked sleek. And these are form-fitted to your bino. They slip right over the end of the binocular. And they use a, a plate in the bottom. So all there is z- absolutely no screws whatsoever on them. They weigh, I think, 0.7 ounces or something like that, or 0.6 ounces. So they're super light and can't even tell they're on there. And they're aluminum. So you have no flex whatsoever on them, built specifically for your bino. My whole goal was I want to make a, an adapter worthy of the of these $3,000 binos, and we knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I'm excited to see this one. I know we just got them ordered, and I think they're going to do really well. Anyone that's buying an NL or an EL, like you should get one of these because you're going to need a clamp. And I, the universal ones have been around for a while and they've done well, but they're big, they're bulky, and they don't, like you're saying, the volume of packing it is just, it's not great. And so to have something that actually, it fits in your vinyl harness, you just take it out, slide it in. And, and tighten down the Arca and you're already, you're glassing. You don't, like you said, you don't even know it's there. Like I'm super excited about getting those because I think they're just going to crush with anyone that's buying an NL Pure and EL, like pick that up as well because it's, you need it truthfully. <laughs> so. Yeah, you need it. And I didn't want to, like a lot of people wanted to do this. They want studs for these things. I know with the EL, you have to send it in to get done. Mm-hmm. And there's this big thing with Swarovski where it voids the warranty. Technically, if you start putting studs into these binos, you're taking them apart. Yep. Yeah, I didn't want to even like venture into that. That's why I was, I want to make something specifically for the NL because that's probably my most requested thing is like an NL pure stud and an EL range stud. Mm-hmm. So know that if you're a customer, you give me your complaints or like that'll, I take it to heart and I find ways to do it. So like the biggest thing people wanted was a way to get their NLs onto a tripod and uh, came out with this thing. Like I know for this will last you a lifetime. 100% this will last you a lifetime. It will never break on you in the field. It's not, it's built aluminum. It's an incredible piece of gear. What I like about it too is like I, I actually start and go into that style where it fits around the barrel, the tube or the, or the barrel of the bino, and it just is because it sits flatter to mm-hmm. like the surface. So you're not on like that post that could blow in the wind or catch wind in different ways, and it's just a little bit lower to where you're going to get less interference from wind or something like that. So yeah. that's what I like about them. And we do have the universal ones coming out as well, which are the same style, but it, it's got a bolt in the bottom and it clamps down here. I don't think I've seen any pictures of those. It's a really sleek design. It just looks a lot cleaner than what's out there, and it's aluminum. Mm-hmm. I can the aluminum say part is the best thing. I think. Yeah, the aluminum part's the best thing. It's yeah, it's just compared to what's out there. Like I'm just making it better after using them all year. I don't want to go back to a post. And I never <laughs> thought I would say that because I used a post for ten years. Yeah, and there is. I'm such a anal glasser that when you use a post, there is a little bit of shake and there is a little bit of play versus. This is locked in and it does not move at all. And I ran it on my EL ranges all year. And then my Swarovskis, my SLCs are still on a post. And I was like, man, I wish I had one on my SLCs. And then I can just put it on and not have to worry about the post. Like I don't have to have an extra thing there. It's one less thing to lose, which I like simple. It's just one less thing to deal with. You're not having to tighten it down. You're just putting it on there, locking it in. So it's a cool piece of gear and that'll be coming out here as well. I think everything's going to be available mid-February from us, from you. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these pieces of gear, right? The GC, the KS, the FG, the RG, and the NL and ELR. Now the NS, the knocker strap, which is the universal one, that's going to be later on. It's probably going to be like right. April. Yeah. Um, I'm still getting my prototypes done on that. I've been, I've just spent like a whole year on these. All this stuff takes so long to design. 
spent like a year on those, but those are coming out. I just wasn't happy with how they were going and we just changed design so many times. We tried some crazy, like crazy stuff mm-hmm. and then we just went back to a very simple design that I think is the cleanest in the industry. And then again, build aluminum. Awesome. So that stuff's coming out. The, the KC, the GC, or the KS, the GC, the RG, and the FG. That'll be out next month. The NL, the ELR. The other stuff, which I don't even think you've got to get your hands on yet coming mm-hmm. out, is nope. which I'm sure you're getting phone calls about already, is the BP pan head and the JC tripod. Yep. Those are just rad. And those are right here. Let me close this thing up. So I wanted to create the best large optic tripod ever made. My goal is to make a tripod that a guy like Jay Scott will use, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I want to create the best pan head ever made and the best tripod ever made for glassing. And I want to do it differently. And there's been like, I feel like it's been such a stagnant industry when it comes to glassing. Like there's been a few Kings and they haven't changed and it's tripod to tripod. And with Tricer, I was able to say, let's try and rethink a tripod or rethink a pan head. How can we make it better? Mm-hmm. So, Right now, if you're going to buy a panhead for your BTX, you're probably buying like a VA5 or a giant monofoto. You're buying, we're taking photography stuff and adapting it to hunting. And it's just not, in my mind, it's, it's not right. Like it needs, we need to find a way to make hunting stuff. And so, so hunting specific things made for optics, not for cameras and made for glassing and making glassing more comfortable. That's one of my big things with the LP and the AD tripod and BC tripod is it's like when you use it, it's very comfortable. It's ergonomic. It's an enjoy. When I glass on my stuff, it's enjoyable. It's not like flopping around on me. It's not hard. It's not springing back. Oh yeah, I agree. It's enjoyable. Sure. It's you use it and you're like, oh man, the, the, all the knobs are in the top of the tripod. It's just enjoyable. So how do I replicate that and run a set of BTXs off of it, right? Because you could put your BTX on the LP, but it's just not made for it. Like I, I tell people all the time, like it's made for an 85 millimeter spotter and down. It'll handle that all day long. And I think you should own both the LP and my new pan head, the BP, which is right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy one for sure. When it comes <laughs> so. So, so BP pan head, 15 pound rating, weighs 12.3 ounces, and it's done off of two bearings, but they're giant bearings, like two inch bearings. And it's all done to twist your wrist. And it is oh. the most fluid pan head on the market, hands down. It stops when you stop. Wherever you stop it, you can put a BTX on this thing and go down 90 degrees and it's going to stay sitting right there. Also, which is cool, is it has a carbon fiber handle, which everyone wants, but it's also adjustable handle. So you can slide that sucker out and have now a long 10-inch handle or you can push it in and have a 6-inch handle. Yeah, for sure. Again, I listen to my customers. You ask for it, you're going to get it. Like I try and figure out how to do a handle that goes like this. It took me a long time. (laughs) We figured it out. We got to work. Also has a bubble level on it which I never thought I would like. And mm-hmm. I love now, like I love having a level on my head when I'm setting up my BTX or whatever I'm doing. It's just nice to have or shooting. I agree. I love it. I, <laughs> so You never think you want it. And then you're like, catch yourself looking at it like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm level. All right, cool. Or make a little adjustment on the leg. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm all for the bubble level. Yeah. So the bubble level is built into this thing. It is an incredible head in itself. And you can run that on any of my tripods. You can run this on the AD because the AD is more than capable of handling a BTX. Mm-hmm. it's not the heaviest tripod, right? Like you want weight there when you run a heavier tripod. Like I want to have, I'm cool with carrying around a three pound tripod to get the weight for my BTX, right? Especially wind situations. So with that said, I created the JC and this thing has just been like taking my brain by storm for the last year. And I've just turned into a tweaker with it. And 
I've created something that no one's ever done before for glassing, right? There's big cinema tripods that do what it does, but no one's done this. And this tripod is inverted as well. Mm-hmm. The smallest leg on this one, though, is uh, one inch. So it goes one inch to one and an eighth to one and a quarter, three legs. It's a full sit-to-stand tripod. The pull, it has pull locks for the, the legs to go up and down. The It has twist locks for the legs, pull locks for the, the degree of the legs. Oversized, half inch wider than the tripod so you can grab with your gloves on. Again, hunting focused, not photography focused. And where this tripod gets really slick is it's all micro adjust. So I can adjust up the center column on a micro adjust and bring it up and down. Oh, that's nice. Similar to how you would do like where, where I'm getting this from is like using a lead sled. You use a lead sled at the right. range and you can right. micro adjust the back of your rifle. That's right. what I wanted to create with the tripod. So that feature is cool. Like I, I like that feature, but I mean, I could live without it. It's not going to change my life having that, but it's cool to bring it up and down. I like it. Yeah. I think it's a great feature and I use the snot out of it. But the feature that has changed my life this year for glassing, and I found so many animals this year, more than I've ever found, is this tripod has panning built into it, into the trindle. By the, every rotation of this knob is 10 degrees of pan. So now you can lock your pan head in and just slowly creep this with your finger. You could go so slow. It's almost too slow if you wanted to. Yeah. It is, you cannot replicate what this tripod does with your finger by using a pan head. Now, this pan head is incredibly smooth. Mm-hmm. You're going to use this pan head be like, it's the best fluid head I've ever used. And you could put this onto any Monfrotto tripod and run your BTX and you'll love it. But when you put your BTX or even your binoculars, your 15s, whatever, your 8s on this, you start turning this knob, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing like it because you can go so slow and look into bushes and stop. There's no stopping using your – for years, I've just used my head. I don't use my hands. Yeah. Oh, I do that too. For but sure. you cannot replicate this because now your eyes aren't even on the your eyes aren't on the optics. You're not creating crit and shake, and you're just creeping through the tip of your finger. And it's a game changer. Oh yeah. It's a anyone who buys a BTX or Highlanders or large optics is going to buy this tripod. Yeah. That's- you look at it, and that's the first. This is the first I've seen it, and that's I can't imagine how much slower I could go on glassing, especially like if you're looking for a coos deer. It's just, you got to be so slow and methodical. And especially like my thing with when I have big optics is sometimes I'll, when you're trying to get that pan and it just, it jumps a little bit, yep. but it's because you're so zoomed in, especially if a BTX, you have like 30 or 35 power and you're just, that's so much power. And it's just every little micro movement is am- amplified by that power. And to be able to just, I, I'm excited to use it, just twisting that and just having a little bit of movement, you could control it and it, you're not trying to make these big jumps with your hands. It's just that little, I, I like it out a lot. It's not sure. even, you're not even using your thumb though. It's you're just taking the tip of your finger and just pushing it. Yeah. And it's just rotating and giving you every full rotation is 10 degrees. So you're just creeping. And yeah. it is like, you talk about gridding. You've never gridded before until you use this tripod. You're going to be like, holy crap, I can actually grid. Like right. I could grid like I never gridded before. Cause it's like, it's forcing me to go slow and go straight across. And you, then you crack your pan, then your this pan head just freaking leave it like loose like that. Move it up three right. degrees and go back the other way. Move it up yeah. three degrees, go back left. Go you just keep yeah. yourself back and forwards this thing. And I again, I selfishly build this stuff for myself. I found so many animals this year with this tripod. It is incredible. Absolutely love it. I cannot wait for that to be out for you guys. The BP pan head is in production right now. We'll have that available probably early March for everybody to have. The tripod. We are on V3. We I think we're done. Oh, I didn't even tell you that part. So I had to go back to the drawing board and say I did some new stuff. 
I changed, I made the center column shorter. I wanted it shorter after my hunts this year. I just wanted a 10 inch center column. So I grew the legs a little bit. That tripod, this tripod weighs a little over three pounds, which is super light still yeah. what it does. And I want the weight. And then another thing this tripod does, which no one's done before is the legs. This one doesn't have it. My prototype, new prototype does. The legs will pull out, or the, the feet will pull out, and you'll be able to slide in one pound rods into every foot. And then uh, even even heavier if you wanted to. Yes. And a one pound rod into the center column. So you can make this tripod from a three pound tripod to a seven pound tripod. Wow. So, it, it, and guys in Arizona will appreciate this. Guys in New Mexico will appreciate this. Nevada. Because a lot of times you are, you're driving in the side by side, you're moving spot to spot, and you want a tri- heavy tripod. Yeah. You're dealing with guys in Wyoming. You're dealing with 20 mile per hour winds. You want the weight there and you'll be able to easily slide in. This will be an ad, an option you can buy. You'll be able to slide in weights into your legs, have no shake in them. No, they don't vibrate. They don't make any noise. That's the big thing we did it and add four pounds to your tripod. And those legs yeah. are fully reversible. So you can have steel spikes in the bottom as well. So if you want steel spikes in your glassing, you'll have that. <laughs> yeah. So It's a really cool feature. No one's done it before that I know of. I've never seen someone do it. But again, this is a hunting tripod, not a photography tripod, right? Some guys say, oh, this is a tripod. No, it is not. This no. is a hunting-specific tripod. And yeah, talking about shooting off stuff, rock solid to shoot off of. This yeah. thing is rock solid with the pan head and this tripod here. It is a incredible piece of gear. So that's it, dude. That's some of the new stuff coming out. Oh, dude, I know I got something else I can tell you about. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce it this weekend so that they'll hear about it. So there's this like big push to everyone use Zulu 6s right? Mm-hmm. Which I think are cool. I have a pair of 16s, but they don't replace tripods. I'm sorry. No, like you, you no. need to have a tripod. They don't. And yeah. there's this push like, they replace your tripod. No, they do not. So a lot no. of guys want to get them onto a tripod. But there's no way to do it. I have a new mount coming out for the Zulu 6s that's billet aluminum and is so small, yet Arca Swiss, it looks like it's part of the binos. Oh, that's nice. It, I could talk about it because it could come out. So it actually mounts to your battery on the Zulu 6s. Oh, Okay. So it is literally like the size of the bottom of an arca plate. So one and a half by one and a half, and it mounts to the bottom of your Zulu 6s through the battery box, and it's part of the binos. So it looks like it was built for the binos, not for uh not like an yeah. not an add-on option. You're not gonna get it and be like, oh look at that giant whatever on those binos. Yeah. Your people are going to flip out for this. Every yeah. guy who has Zulu 6 is gonna want to buy this thing. It it is I'm built good. for them, it is aluminum, and it goes right, it just screws you take your battery cap off. You put the new cat, you put the, the slide this part on there, tighten down the new battery cat that we make for you that doesn't affect the bino. It's waterproof as well. We have the freaking O rings going into it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a process to get this thing right. And you now have a bino that it fits in your bino harness and goes on your tripod. That's pretty legit. I'm pretty yeah. excited about that. <laughs> Cause I, I do, I love those binos. I agree. It doesn't replace glassing off a tripod. Like there's, cause that's the bino I used on this hunt. And there was times where I was setting up the AD tripod, like kicking the legs out and making them super wide so I can just rest my elbows because yeah, it's stable, but it's not methodical. You can't, you can't hold binos here forever. At some point you want to put your arms down or relax your arms. So I think it's going to be a, a killer because one, I think a Zulu six is a tool. Like I think Cody had made the analogy of a golf bag to where it's, you have your certain optics, like you have your golf bag and you have certain, you have certain clubs in your golf bag. Same thing for optics, like the Zulu six yeah, it's meant for a truck thing or like hiking and something quick you can get some stabilization out of, but like it doesn't replace glassing off a tripod. But now if you're a guy where you only want to carry one pack or one bino because you're backpacking in or something and that's the one you want to go with, now you put it on a tripod. So it's even better. Check your phone. 
I just text you some pictures real quick. Oh, that's legit. That's cool. Yeah, man, that's legit. That is, if you're gonna put your if you're gonna put your Zulu sixes on a tripod, mm-hmm. just wait a couple months. I have something coming out that is the best. Yeah, and it's gonna be built aluminum, and it's gonna have it has a lot of surface area too. It's one I said one half to one and a half, so you have more area there to do, mount it to the tripod right. as well for more stability, not like a half inch sliver. Yeah. It is. It's the way to go. It, this is. I won't be surprised if Sick has these on their binos by next year because it's pretty legit. Hey, we need a, a lot. Just gonna come in the box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they just put a darn threaded stud on the bottom, I talked to the guy from Sig, and I'm like, dude, if you just put a quarter twenty stud on the bottom of this thing, or you can put a plate on there, it'd be great. Just do yeah. it. I think it defeats their spiel. Your place is a tripod, right? But it doesn't. My thing is to go in that a little bit. Why I say it doesn't replace a tripod? They're incredible, but. Glassing is methodical, mm-hmm. and that's what people don't understand. It's not necessarily just being stable. It's being methodical. It's being able to, like I said, go slow and pick things apart, and you cannot do that offhand. I don't care how stable your bino is. You cannot no, methodically, yeah. especially for coos deer, right? Like you're picking bushes apart. You can look at the same bush 15 times, and all of a sudden, you're going to see an ear flick, and you're like, oh, yeah. what the, how did you go in there? I mean- yep. It's been there the whole time. It hasn't, it didn't just get there. It's been there the whole time and you just didn't see it. And that's not because when you stop and that's when you start picking up those micro movements and you just, you have to be able to stop though. And that stop and put your face back from the glass and look without touching. And I can't tell you how many times I've blown coos deer. I've watched him go into a bush and then spent hours and then blown it because I thought there's no way he's in there and the deer blows out. And it's, I'm 200 yards from this bush. Last year, my kid, we, we blew one. We were a hundred yards from these deer. We could only see two deer and we blew 15 deer out of this spot mm-hmm. and they were right a hundred yards in front of us. I don't even know where they were to this day. Yeah. We were like, we're like, let's just move around like 20 yards. We moved around, brought some rocks, rock rolled, freaking deer went out of like a covey of quail. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We I were bet. looking here for an hour, a hundred yards from us and they were deer in here the whole time. Still don't yeah. know where they were. Like, I just remember looking up and there was like, I blew it. If I would have yeah. laid there and waited, he would have stood up, but it's just, they can hide in the smallest stuff. So you cannot do that off of hand. Again, incredible binos. I think everyone should own a pair, put them in your kit. I think have a place for your in your kit for sure. But you got to be able to put them on a tripod. Like, yeah. you need to get them on a tripod for sure. I think that's a big thing that's missing in the industry too is like glassing off a tripod is is still relatively new. There's still people that will call in and ask if they really need a tripod. And our answer is yes every time because you have to. I think it started the whole growing up in Arizona. I've had a tri- I've only ever glassed off a tripod, even from when I was 10 years old. And just that's because we, that's all we did. It's all we knew how to do. And I think it's still growing in the West and got to just put the information out there. Like you need a tripod and not just any tripod. You can get by with any tripod, but you need a hunting specific tripod. That's not going to break on you when you're out, you know, eight miles from the truck. Yeah. It's, I tell people all the time, like I would rather use like a $500 pair of binos. Like I'd rather get a pair of Vortex Vipers and a tripod than have a set of NL Pures and no tripod. Mm-hmm. All day long, I will find more animals than you with a pair of Vipers and a tripod, which Vipers are great binos. Like if you should, I'm not knocking my Vipers. Then you will with a pair of NL Pures with no tripod. It's just hands down, yeah. I'm going to find more deer than you because you're just methodical. You got to yeah. be methodical with how you gloss. Yeah. So cool, dude. Enough about me. How about you? How'd you get into hunting? How'd that come about? I I did it just because my dad did it. And I think I was, we grew up like quail hunting and everything when I was a kid. I'd sit with him while he shot doves flying over like the water tank area. Like I, I since I grew up in North Phoenix, it's much different now than it was 20 years ago. It just grew like crazy. But like we used to go out in 10 minutes north of our house and be able to hunt quail. 
and you, you can't do that anymore. But that's what we did growing up. We just lived in the desert. And so we always spent time out there. And then when I turned 10, that's when you can do your hunter ed in Arizona and get a license and start putting in. And went on my first coos deer hunt. I wasn't even, I didn't even have the hunt. It was my dad's hunt. And it was like the first time it was like, it's a big boy trip. Like you're with the boys and <laughs> I had to grow up a little bit. And that, that was my start, that first coos deer hunt down south of Tucson. And that's just from there I was hooked. Like I was glassing off a tripod at 10 years old, seeing my dad shoot a coos deer on one of the last nights we were out there. And then being in the dark and just being out in the wilderness is, mm -hmm. I think from that moment, it was like just kicked in forever. And so now I spent, did some youth hunts and everything, and then didn't hunt as much and more built points through high school and college because I was doing the athletics thing. And, and then I did athletics in college and didn't get to hunt at all. And so I built up a ton of points just because my dad kept putting me in every year for mm -hmm. a bonus point. So it was great. And then graduated college, started putting in and drew the first year and, and killed my first coos deer. I'd been on some other deer hunts and, and never killed a coos deer. And so I killed my first coos deer right out of college and it blew up from there. Like I was just hooked on everything hunting. And I think I took my dad's bow from him and because I was just going to shoot it all the time and wanted to do that and then try to hunt as much as I could from, I was living in Vegas at that point and then picked up my lifetime resident license while I was in college. And so that I could stay my Arizona residency and then just started doing the OTC thing, just getting out as much as I could and then go hunting as hiring. And I was finishing school and applied and got the job. And then it was like, now my hobby is my job and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And so it's just been it's been a great, I've been now here for a couple of years now. And just the amount you learn from people like in this office is insane. Like I like to think I was a decent hunter before I got here, but like you get way better just by listening to people talk about it and just listen to their stories and how they did things. And that's how I like, that's the hunting story. And just, it ended up like, how do I turn my hobby into something I want to do for a living? And that's how I ended up at Go Hunt. So that's how I got to here. Yeah, one thing I can say about Go Hunt, and it's similar to Tricer, right? Is they're all very passionate. The reason why Go Hunt's been so successful is because they're all very passionate about what they do about hunting, right? Like mm -hmm. the reason why Tricer's been successful, I'm very passionate about hunting and I'm creating pounding things. You guys are creating tools for Western hunters that no one had before, right? And a place to go get gear no one had before, right? Like you've done the gear shop better than anybody. Like you, you're not only doing just like only, I'm only going to sell Primos and Fox Pro. No, yeah. you guys are going to sell freaking Thermarest and Jetboil and you're going to sell like everything I need. I know that if I need something, I'm going to go to the Go Hunt gear shop. And you guys put that in there because it's gear that you know Western Hunters. Yeah, need. we're super selective. It. We're super very selective. selective in the gear that we bring in because it's something like someone just puts in our company group chats. Like, hey, I think this is a really cool product. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll write that down. And then you reach out and then you get a sample and then you start using it. Like, yeah, this thing's great. Let's bring it in. And so it's a whole process. And it's just, yeah, we're super selective on the gear we bring in. And then that's how we build our name is just by being authentic. And that's how I think Go Hunt has become what it is because everyone here is super passionate about the hunting community and the outdoor community. And we're just, we like to do it and that's all we do all day. And so <laughs> yeah. if you like your job, you're going to do it more. And that's what everyone here does. So we all just are grinding every day. We're putting in more than 40 hour weeks every week just so that we can go and, and just come into work and talk about your hobby every day and then go and spend all fall doing what you want to do. So that's awesome. Yeah. If you love what you do, right. You never work a day in your life or it's not the thing people say. And uh, I've found that with Tricer as well. Like I really love doing this and creating this gear and making people successful. And that's what I like about Go Hunt so much is that you guys make Western hunters more successful. 
brother, if it wasn't for Go Hunt, like I would not be where I am as a Western hunter. Like I probably wouldn't have Tricer if it wasn't for Go Hunt because I wouldn't have been drawing all these tags and then going on all these hunts. Like I've drawn so many tags. I've been a member now for I think it's 2016, maybe 2015. I know at least 2016 I've been a member. And I've just drawn tags every year. I find a way to go hunting because of Go Hunt. Go hunting, go hunt, right? Yeah, no, that's what we do, right? We that's figure what you out. Do. We put the tool in the people's hands and then the second part of that is educating them how to use the tool. And so once you have the tool, you implement it and you go hunting every year. That's the goal, right? That's what everyone wants to do. That's that's why we exist. So that's why Lorenzo, when he founded the company, he was going through all these regs and there had to be a simpler way. And so that's why he built the company and that's where we're at today. Yeah. And killing it, which is awesome. King of the Hill. I, I think it's awesome working with go hunting, what you guys are doing. So obviously you work at Go Hunt, and that's the reason why you're able to draw this tag with six points because you guys have insider stuff and you know the fishing game, right? Yeah, it's an interesting one because so my wife was um, found out we were pregnant, or um, well, we I don't know why people say that she was pregnant. Um, <laughs> I think it's what you're supposed to say, right? No, so she was pregnant. She told me and, and back in March, and um, I was actually out for the first few months of this year doing some army training over in Georgia, and. Um, First day I got to check into that school in Georgia, she called me and she was, she said she's pregnant, which is great. Super happy about that. And I'll see you in five months when I get back to Vegas. <laughs> so that kind of sucked. And and because of that, I decided I wasn't going to put in for any tags this year. I was just going to put in for bonus points across the board for every species, at least for deer and elk and antelope. And for sheep, this is the only state I put in for, or I put in for Nevada as well, but I was like, I'm never going to draw a sheep tag. Like I might as well just put in, I'm going to get a bonus point anyway when I don't draw it. And so that came around, applications were through. I was bonus points across the board, except for one one application where I put in for, I used our draw odds system and ranked it one to five on draw odds. And I was like, yep, I have pretty much no chance through one to five. So I'll just go down the line, first five choices, first five hunts. And that's what I did. Oh, you just guessed. You, you just randomly guessed. No, so like I used our, like our filtering. Okay. Our, our insider platform and filtered by draw odds okay. you know, what I had the, the highest percentage of with six points. And so I just went from that ranking, those first five units, I then put that into the application. And then, because you have five choices when you do your Arizona game and fish. And mm-hmm. so the first five ranking and draw odds, I just put those into the Arizona game and fish and sent it away and never so thought- What were your there. odds? Like point, I had a guy on and he drew with 10 points and he had- Point zero zero six, and we were saying that's one in six thousand or something like that. What were your odds yeah. for this hunt? I had one point six percent. One point six. Yeah, because that's the cool thing about that lifetime resident license is that for the draw for the draws you get resident draw odds, but then you pay your non-resident tag dues, which is you know fine when you're. Oh, so shit. you still pay? I didn't realize. That. I know because I'm always like, man, if I have the chance to move to Arizona for six months, I'm doing it. Yeah, I, th- I think I everybody. That have the opportunity you totally should or if you're leaving the state for whatever reason you should pick up your lifetime license it's a chunk of change when you first get it but it makes it so much worth it because for i'm sitting on good amount of elk points right now and next year i'm looking at hunting elk in arizona and having that resident draw yeah you still pay your non-resident tag fees because you're not a resident but you have the draw odds which is way worth it so i didn't realize that so i thought you still paid resident fees so you get the resident i know you get the resident draw odds but you still you're you're still paying six fifty for an elk tag. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm great. I'm fine with that all day long. Yep. If I can draw a sheep tag, like. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing. So that's how I found out I drew it because I was 
we were in one of the phases of that school and we were out in the field all week with no phones or anything and sitting on a bus. I hadn't smelled terrible because it's Georgia in the summer and hadn't showered <laughs> or anything and checking my phone because I hadn't seen or talked to anyone in a week. And I was like, I think I was on Instagram and I saw, oh, deer tags are getting hit. Like bank, yeah. bank cards are getting hit. I was like, ah, log into the bank account and see what, what happened. Maybe I drew the sheep tag. I log in and there it is, $1,800 to game and fish. I was like, all right, is that a wrong or what's going on here and so it was just but that doesn't really happen i thought for sure like game and fish would call and be like hey we made a mistake like you didn't actually draw the tag or something but no and once it posted a couple weeks later i was like all right drawn desert bighorn sheep let's go so you pretty much knew you drew one of your first two tags you pretty much I only get to roll your first two tags on that hunt yeah so i figured it's either choice one or choice two there's no way it's gonna be three through three through five so, yeah yeah and and you drew with six points you are the anomaly Yep. I am the guy that everyone hates if you're a max point holder or you're point putting in for Can you draw on the random? Can you do you understand that a little bit? Can you talk yeah, about so that a little bit? The way that you have to put in for game and fish as a non-resident, if you're trying to draw a sheep tag, is that there has to be more than one tag in the units because they have to be able to allocate they allocate a certain percentage to residents and another percentage to non-residents. So there has to be enough tags in that unit for a non-resident to draw that tag. And so that's also another thing you have to look into if you're non-resident putting in for an Arizona sheep tag. And yeah, so I think I was one of three and I was number three. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Hard to believe still. I, I'm sitting next to it and it's hard to believe. Like <laughs> it just doesn't happen. I, I equate it to like winning the lottery and it's just, I won the hunting lottery this year. So what are my luck? What's my luck next year? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> if you draw another sheep tag, you should just quit and play the lottery. I, maybe I should. I don't know. I should yeah. just go to the strip and gamble for the rest of my life. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you've drawn this tag. Now your wife is pregnant. You just got married too. When did you guys get married? We got married in 2021. 2021. Uh, so we've been married for two years when she got pregnant. So and then you're going to boot camp. So you do what everyone does at boot camp and you act like a rabbit. And yep. then uh, she gets pregnant. In the worst time of year to get pregnant, you understand this. Your wife's having the baby. When when was she due? Yeah. She was due November, which I told her as long as we were together, we wouldn't have a fall baby. <laughs> it just, that's the way it was, it happened. And yeah, he was due November 8th and the hunt was supposed to start November 17th. And I told her, I was like, we have to induce if it's going to go late. Like we're not, I can't do that. I can't miss this. And she knew that I couldn't miss it because it, it was such a big deal. Like it's literally, I can never draw that tag again. And so it was like, she knew that was going on it no matter what. And whether if he did go late, I was just going to hunt later and push the dates. And thankfully he actually went a week early. And so he was born November 1st. So I got a solid two weeks of the of newborn baby and being there and doing all that kind of stuff before I left to go hunt the ram. So. Okay. So you drew this tag. Did you get a guide? No, I did not. No, I talked to Eric Hunt at Arizona Desert Outfitters and he was super helpful. We were trying to figure out like, do I need to get a guide? How much scouting can I do with a pregnant wife and all that kind of stuff? And ultimately I came down to it as like, I love what guys do. I love what they do for the industry. And I love what, what people, um, what they can do for people because it's their story. And they, if a guide helps you fill your story, then by all means you should do it. For me, like I'm a pretty dedicated hunter and I want to do it on my own. I feel like I can do any hunt on my own. And so I decided not to do a guide. And just because I was like, I was, my goal was to kill an old ram. I wasn't chasing the monster ram of the mountain that might be a myth. I was just like, 
I want to go in there and I do it on my own. I'll have the satisfaction of doing it on my own and not having outside help. But like it's a sheep hunt. And so there was still some outside help. Like I would go scouting for a weekend and I'd send a video to Eric and be like, what do you think this Ram? He's, oh yeah, it's young, but there's bigger ones in there. Just keep on looking. So you're finding Rams, you're finding Rams. Yeah. Yeah. It took a few weekends to find some Rams because it was, there's a few scouting trips where it was a hundred. It's hot. It's so hot. You can't even go from like you're glassing from the road because if you try to hike by 7 a.m., it's already 95 degrees. Yeah. And you're just like, it's not safe for one. And it just is not fun either. <laughs> so, yeah, I, we go down to Yuma, which is in within 500 miles of where you were. We go down to Yuma all the time and I'll hunt coyotes in the summer. So I'll wear board shorts with, with the mesh camo over that. So yeah. I can be cool. Cause like you yeah. literally, it's a hundred degrees. It never gets cooler than a hundred degrees. Sometimes Sometimes a hundred degrees at night. Yeah. Like it's not, it just doesn't cool down. And as soon as that sun cracks, you're sweating. It's in your eyes. It's just, yeah. I cannot imagine looking for sheep down there. Yeah. And, uh, and I started, I got back from Georgia at the end of July and I immediately started scouting. And the first two scouting trips wasn't even necessarily looking for sheep. We still were glassing and trying to find, we saw some ewes here and there, mm-hmm. but we were just driving. There's one or two roads through the wilderness area. And so we just drove those roads to learn like where the access is, like mm-hmm. where can we park to hike up this wash to get to glass this back bowl or whatever it was. So we literally just drove like I probably hundreds of miles over those two trips just on dirt roads. And first time I went out there, I didn't have a side-by-side because my dad couldn't make it. And I was using his side-by-side and I got my truck stuck in the wash and it's 105 degrees trying to dig my truck out of the sand. And it was just, it was a nightmare for the first couple trips, especially like not seeing animals too, which doesn't add to the the excitement of being out scouting and being in the woods if you don't see anything and it's 105 degrees and you're getting mm-hmm. stuck. So then you start finding sheep though, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once it started cooling off and we were able to hike like that one ridge off the road, that's when we started seeing sheep. We actually never even saw a ram that I would call a target ram until during the hunt. And so for the whole time we were scouting, we were just seeing like average size rams, which was good that we were seeing animals. And so it changed our strategy a little bit because we weren't going to go in there and chase a target ram because we didn't have one. And, but we knew where the highest density of sheep was, which helped because we figured that out. Hey, we're seeing more sheep in this area while we were scouting. We haven't seen the one that we want to kill yet, but we've seen more sheep in this area. So we're going to go to that area because more, more likely than not, there is a big one in there. And so we just got to turn them up once it comes to the hunt. And so that's what we ended up doing. We, we figured out what area we wanted to be in and we went there pretty much the entire time we never we never left and that's how we turned turned up another or turned up this one and it's probably um, still in the 80s right in november is it, was cool? it no it wasn't that hot it would be like low to mid 40s in the morning and then six high 60s 70s during the day but it was enough to where it was like there's some mornings where it was really cold and windy and i had a down jacket on and then there was by the afternoon i was just in like a lightweight hoodie kind of thing mm-hmm and so it was the temperature flux was crazy on that hunt. And the sheep responded to that too, is they don't, when it's hot in the middle of the day, like they were pretty much bedded the whole time. We glassed up a bunch of bedded sheep just because they were just sitting under the shade, waiting for that sun to go down a little bit and get up and feed. All right. Are you hunting water at all on this? Are you finding water sources or no? Yeah, we checked a lot of water. There's water. That's the cool thing about hunting sheep, I think, is that there's such a community around it. And so when I was down at the Arizona Desert Sheep Horn or um, Bighorn Sheep Society Hunters Clinic, I got to meet the um, 
COFA wildlife refuge manager. And then he, they do all the water surveys. And so he's shared with me Excel spreadsheet that he had printed out with the data from that water check and what the levels were for each guzzler or each tank that's out there and everything like that. So we could see where the water was. And there's a few that we ended up going and checking, but it was a wet year and there we would be hiking and we'd find water in just these rocks and it would just hold water. So there was just no use in hunting those water sources because there had been a few really good storms and it was holding water because it was in the shade and it wasn't evaporating right away. So we never really hunted water just because it was everywhere, which is abnormal for the desert. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that experience a lot, a lot, a few times. There's a lot of like all the desert units down there are like really smooth rocks mm-hmm. and they'll hold water and they'll hold water until they evaporate or get drinking up. So you, mm-hmm. when it rains, you pretty much aren't on water for a few weeks at least. Yeah. Cause it's going to hold water in a lot of places and then they're not going to have to come down off the mountain or go down into the flats and these drinkers. For sure. And, and if it was dry and it hadn't rained in, in weeks or months out of the summer, then yeah, for sure. They're going to be within a mile of that water source because they're going to be having to get water every day or every other day. So Sweet. So now you, it is hunt time. You've set up in the, we've already, now you've said where you are. You're in the Kofa. I wasn't going to out you, but you're in the Kofa. Yeah, it's you, out there. It's sheep hunting, man. I don't think there's too many really, Yeah. You, so. Yeah. You, super low odds. Yeah. So you drew this tag, you've set up probably like a trailer or motorhome or something, I imagine. Yeah, we, no, we did it out of a, um, we used the Seek Outside Courthouse TP. Oh, really? Um, which is really just like a big a teepee kind of style that it's got two poles instead of one. So it makes it a little bit bigger and it stakes out and everything. It was really nice. It was me and my dad and Gohan ended up filming this. So we had Nate, who was our camera guy. And so it was just going to be the three of us for this hunt. And so we set that up. We had three cots in there and and that was home. We set up a kitchen and, and everything. And that's where we were hanging out of. So we got there a day before and set up base camp. And we were just going to hunt out of the side-by-side at that point. So that's, that was our setup and we didn't do the trailer or anything, but having the side by side was crucial to us, like being successful in this hunt. Day one kicked off and went to the first spot that we were going to glass from that we could drive from our base camp. And we were glassing from there and seeing a few rams, not anything worth shooting, but watching a couple of rams just to see what they were doing. Saw a couple of ewes with the lamb. It was later in the afternoon. We ended up seeing a small ram, like somehow he had bedded like right in front of us on the ridge in front of us and we never saw it and we picked him up bedded and just staring at us and we were like wow we should maybe be a little quieter we are hunting actually (laughs) and and he stood up and then there was a doe and and two fawns that stood up like 100 yards from him and so i got a pretty cool shot of the sheep up on top with the doe and the fawns in the same in the same camera which was cool but still just nothing we weren't seeing much through that time that first day and there was a target ram that someone had taken a video of and sent to me that we were chasing in that area but never saw him and so that first day was just a scouting day because we just didn't see anything worth looking for but it was positive because we were seeing sheep which is sometimes can be hard to come by which we ended up learning later in the hunt and but ultimately yeah we went back to the base camp and decided that we were gonna make a sort of a spike camp because the, the unit is so hard to navigate that you could be driving for two and a half, three hours just to get around some area because there's only one road that goes to it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we ended up doing. And instead of hiking into that area and backpacking, we decided to load down the side by side with gas and water and food. And then we had like our spike camp. So I had a little baby sack and like a little backpacking tent. So basically we were backpacking out of a side by side. 
and uh, which isn't really backpacking, but it's more like truck hunting, <laughs> but it made us way more mobile and we could go pretty much anywhere you wanted to, as long as we had the gas to do it. Um, and those things are so good on gas anyway, that you can pretty much, we were packed for four days worth of, of food and water and gas uh, until we had to go back and refuel at our base camp. And so we drove around pretty much to the other side of that area that we were in and uh, tried to just get different angles, trying to turn up this ram because it wasn't this one, but he was big. And we were just spinning our brain, trying to figure out different glassing points, different angles, because that country, it's so different from anywhere I've ever hunted. Like you're glassing for sheep, almost as if you're glassing for deer because the you know bigger ones tend to live down in the foothills and the smaller ones live up in the cliffs, but there could be a big one up in the cliffs. You just, they go anywhere they want to go and you have to look everywhere. And so that was one of the difficult things about sheep hunting was figuring out where to glass and where to look for sheep. And you might go hours without seeing anything. And then all of a sudden you see a sheep and that's the only sheep you see that day. And it made it a, a good day because you saw one sheep, even though you, it wasn't worth killing, <laughs> uh, which that was it. That was the next couple of days. And it wasn't, it was really, it wasn't boring because you're still out hunting. You're still out looking for sheep. You're scheming, trying to figure out what the plan is. So it was by no means boring. It was just you were grinding, trying to turn it up and different spots, different hills to climb and nothing's flat out there. It's all steep. And it was just a suck fest for a little bit. So eventually we decided, okay, we're going to go from spike camp and we're going to go all the way back to this back bowl. And it's going to be like a three mile hike back in there. Um, but it's going to be worth it because we think that's an area that has sanctuary from anywhere else in the unit. And we climb back in there. What's nice about the area is you can walk the wash the whole way until you have to climb up to glass, which is makes it a little bit easier to walk. You're not walking on a side hill the whole time. But so we get back there and we see a, a really good ram, but he was just at the top of this cliff. And it was like the highest point in the unit at that point. And he was just sitting on top out in the sun, just hanging out. And so we watched him and we videoed him and we're like, man, what are we going to do? We're like, how do we even make a play at this? We'd have to climb. You bring rappel ropes, we're going to have to rock climb up there to be able to get level to try to get a shot. Because if you get any closer, and we're probably 1,500 yards away, but if you get closer, you're going to lose the angle that you can see him at, and you're not going to get a shot. And it was just like, how are we going to do this? And then luckily, we didn't have to make that decision because he just got up and fed over the top. And we're like, all right, cool. That's a, that settles that. We're not going to chase that ram today. But we know that he's living back here in the sanctuary. So that makes it, if we need to come back and try to get another play on him, we could. And so that was day three or day four. I think it was day three because we knew that there was, we can get a little bit of weather reports and we knew that there was some serious wind coming in and it kicked up that afternoon. And so it was probably 20 to 25 mile an hour winds for the next two days. And animals don't really like wind and sheep really don't like wind. And so we went two and a half days without seeing any sheep at all. Uh, I think during that time, we actually only saw a buck because we kicked him out of his bed trying to hike up to a glassing spot. And so that was frustrating. And that morning after we saw that sheep and we hiked up to this glassing spot and it's it's whipping wind. There's nowhere to get out of the wind. It, it just sucked. You couldn't glass because it was so shaky. There was nothing going on that day. So we actually backed out of that spot and drove all the way a couple hours back to our base camp and refueled and, and ate a good breakfast, had some breakfast burritos and just getting them resetting the mind a little bit, just because we'd just been getting our butts kicked for the next, last like three days trying to find sheep. And, and then at that point, like any time during a hunt, you get those doubts. You're like, and I only have 
10 days and we're we're nearing halfway into it and we haven't found the a target ram that we want to kill yet and it's just been it's tough and you start thinking you start questioning yourself do i need to be here do i need to move oh also i've got a two-week-old at home and my wife's probably not happy right now and that I, that she's doing everything by herself and i'm out here doing this like all these things start going through your head and you get these doubts and eventually we just decided okay we're going to stick it out in this unit or in this area of the unit because we know that there's a good amount of sheep here the wind's dying down they've got to get up and move they're going to feed we're going to see something it's going to happen and we're going to give it another day and a half and if that doesn't happen we'll kick out of here we'll go to a different spot in the unit that we haven't checked out yet during this hunt and maybe we can get it done up there and so that's what we did and we were sitting up looking trying to figure it out and, and doing that and we're like let's just get a different angle one more angle on this area because we've been glassing it for three days we haven't seen anything but we haven't hiked to that point over there and we went over there and we're sitting down and getting ready to glass and my dad had gone uh, a couple hundred yards um east of us and was glassing down into this cut a little bit i was glassing into the sun as the sun was setting nate our camera guy was glassing at the back of the sun like looking you know three thousand yards away and we were just trying to spread out and get as much figured out as we could and uh, and then we're sitting there and it's, I think it's like 4.15, 4.30. And Nate goes, Ethan, I got a big ram. And I, come look at this. And so I packed up my stuff and I could just tell on his face like it was going to be a big ram. And set the tripod down, got it all set it up. And he's, you're going to need the spotter for this. And so he's put the spotter on him and you could just see his, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> need some water. You could just see his horn glowing in the sun. <clears throat> and you could see it was like real good mass, good curl, curled all the way to his face. And you're like, all right, like that's a shooter ram. Let's go like, how far away are we? 2,500 yards? Sweet. We have an hour and a half left of daylight. (laughs) This is going to be rough, but let's go figure it out. And so we beat feet down this hill and we get behind another ridge. We can run down this ridge and we're running. And all three of us are probably running at this point and running through these rocks and rolling ankles and twisting knees and all this stuff. And it's just brutal. And we hike up and over this ridge and you have to be super careful and we get down and and there's a good picture of us like all right setting up the tripod and getting a better look now we're at 1200 yards and we're setting up the tripod and i i get the digiscope on them and i'm like oh man like that sucks it's average ram at best like small actually not exactly what we looked at 3000 yards away and we were like it was weird because we were like that's not him man what's going on because we knew that there was one ram and one you and we saw one ram and one you and then all of a sudden he poked his head out and we're like oh there's two rams and one you and now they're up feeding because we either we kicked him and we thought we had kicked him at first but he was actually just running off this little ram so that you we thought must have gone into a second estrus cycle or something like that and so we were like wow okay he's a big ram we're doing this this is a shooter ram we're gonna go for it and so we boogied on down the hill we were like you know 20 minutes left of shooting light at that point and um, lay down in the wash and and get set up and Nate was phenomenal on the camera he was I turned around I thought I'd be waiting for him to get set up and he was set up before I was on the rifle and he was ready to go for the kill shot and uh, yeah he was I picked him up in the scope I was shooting a 6.5 PRC Browning X-Bolt and the the speed long range setup and uh, it and I was shooting I'd been practicing at 800 and 1,000 yards all season, and I didn't want to shoot anything further than 600. But with the time we had, I probably had maybe five minutes left to shoot when I actually ended up taking the shot of ethical shooting light. And man, it, I actually, I missed the first shot. I was shooting at 730 yards. 
and missed the first shot. And that, that was the good thing about those Zulu six binos. Cause I took them out of my bino harness. I tossed them to my dad cause we didn't have time to set up tripods and, and digiscoping and stuff like that to film it. <clears throat> and he was calling my shots, but uh, just off of the, off the Zulu sixes, which was pretty sweet. But yeah, he called it and I missed it high, readjusted my, my turret a little bit, did one click less because uh, of the angle and floored him on the second shot and just, and dropped him. And at that point you're just like, what just happened? An hour ago, we were like, ah, we don't know if we're going to chase the sheep. And now we just shot a sheep. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and it's just this like wave of holy shit, man. Like we did it. Like we're five, five or six days into this and we've been getting our butts kicked for the last two days. Haven't seen this. This is the first sheep we've seen in the last two days. And of course, like it ends up being a bigger one or like a, a quality sheep, an old sheep that we want to kill. And we, we just did it. And it was special. And it was just like, I think there's a video of me like, <clears throat> taking that second shot and seeing a drop and I'm laying on the ground and I just rolled over on my back and I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like everything that we just did just ended right there. And you're just like, wow. Plus and then, you might uh, never get to do that again. And that's the, thing with sheep, that's, just that's like, the feeling. It's just like, you might, that, that might be the only time you ever get to pull the trigger on a big yes. sheep. Yep. And that's why you're just like, there's this weird like sense of, did I really just do that? Because I don't know, I halfway into the hunt, I was still was like, I can't believe I'm on this hunt at all. And just now you're pulling a trigger and you're just like, it's over. The animal goes down. There's some kind of cluster. He tried to get back up. I took a third shot and, he, and it missed and he didn't need it anyway. But it was just all the stuff just ended right there within the squeeze of a trigger. And you're just like, wow, that's it, man. That was cool. And it's phenomenal and it's happy and it's sad because you'll never get to do it again. But it's also you just ended your lottery hunt. It's just a crazy mix of emotions. It's hard to even explain. So I've tried to explain it like three or four different times now, and I still don't think I'm doing a good job of how to explain what it feels like to kill a sheep. Yeah, that's awesome. And you probably from now on will be putting in for Rockies, I imagine, right? Like you're probably not going to put for desert anymore. Now it's like, you've already got your desert at, what are you, we're yeah. 20, how old are you, 25? 27. Yeah, I'm 27. 27. So. so you might have another crack at them, honestly. You've got some time. I might have a crack at, at the Rocky. Yeah. Max points is around 30 something right now. So Right now it'll probably be around you 70 the math, by the time like, you get there. Yeah, you do the math, like maybe I could do a Rocky now, but like nothing's going to compare to doing that hunt. Having my dad there, the guy that taught me how to hunt and taught me everything there is to know about hunting prior to working at Go Hunt and just someone I look up to greatly and having him there, that's actually his dream hunt is he wants to kill a bighorn sheep and he probably won't ever have that opportunity. And so having him there was just, that was the, the cherry on top of the entire thing. So. Awesome. And having a, a newborn at home, like he's a brand new grandpa. I'm the oldest of, of our all my brothers and my wife's the oldest of all her siblings. So both our parents are brand new grandparents as well. And it was just like two weeks ago, we both, be, I became a new dad. He became a new grandparent. And two weeks later, we're doing a once in a lifetime sheep hunt. And just like when you look at him, the Euro looks great, but I can't wait to get the, the mount back because I just, I can't wait to see how it is on the Cape again. His face had so much character and scarring and just. Yeah, it's hard to like put it into words of what it truly means, but yeah, and I don't want to downplay having a kid, but you're gonna have more kids. Yeah, like you and your dad <laughs> are not gonna get this moment back. Like no. killing a sheep is. I know I'm not saying she's more important than your kid, but like that yeah. emotion probably it's up there. That's oh, what, you want to equate it to something like 
it's it's, it's up, up there. there. Like your dad's yeah. gonna have more grandchildren. You're gonna have more kids probably. You're not gonna have one. Yeah. Getting a sheep is just it's, it's such a cool thing to do with your dad. And I actually had to talk to your dad too. He had reached out to me for an extra bite yeah, after something, and like, he didn't name drop at all. And then I caught on yeah. to who it is, and I'm like, oh, dude, the yeah. coolest dude in the world. I like, talked to him on the phone, I think, or texted yeah. him, whatever it was. Yeah, he's, he's a super cool he dude. Was, he was like, just so jacked. Well, I think he what was, he said was like, I'm going on the sheep on my son. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like your last name's Klein. Like, are you Ethan's dad? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh man, I'll send you one right now. So, yeah. Cause uh, I know I, as soon as I got the, the original tripod set up, I was like, I called him. I was like, man, like you got to get rid of your tripod head. Put this, put the LP on there. Like you're never going to forget it. And like the, the stem and everything, like it just works well. And uh, yeah. He was funny. He, he was like, yeah, Drew, Drew called me and he put together that I was your dad. I was like, oh yeah, he's a cool guy. He's like, totally cool. He's sending me a, a new stem. I was like, perfect. <laughs> That's yeah. great. You get up to this Ram. Now you've shot this Ram. You get yep. up there, which probably took you a while to get there. Did you get there in the dark? Yeah. Yeah. So it, we shot and by the time we got there, it was dark because it took a good 700 yards in that country is not 700 Easy. yards. It's not 700 yeah. yards. <laughs> and so we were hiked along the bottom and had to go up. And of course, he had to die on the steepest, rockiest like spot that we had been on in, out of the entire hunt. Because why not? That's just how it goes. And like you walk up on it and you're just still just, wow, like there's a bighorn sheep right there. Like they just killed that thing. It's just, you just, I sat there and stared at it probably without saying any words for a good five, six minutes. I felt like it was probably 20 minutes, but it probably wasn't that long. And just, you, you try to take it all in, just looking at his face and like the life that he probably had was insane. He was old. He's eight and a half years old and just fought every, probably every year because of how scarred up his face is and how much like his bones have grown over because he's just been scar tissue and uh, breaking noses and everything like that. So it's just, you just look at it, you're like, you can't be nothing but appreciative of the opportunity. And then to kill an animal like that, it's just been, it was surreal. And it was dark too, which adds an element of eeriness. But like also when it's dark, it's, I don't know, a little different than it is in the daylight. And you're just like, the shadows are out there and the moon's out and you're just like, everything is there in the moment. And it was I, I can't say anything other than it was special. Yeah, and I'm uh, I didn't realize that you had this on film, so mm-hmm. I'm really excited for this Go Hunt film to come out and just to, to, to see this and experience it because you guys do so good at telling these stories. I'm excited. Like the whole thing is really is romantic with your dad there and, and just the, dude, coming to having the baby. Like I can already yeah. picture how this film's gonna go, and I'm like I'm really excited to see this thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think we're even looking at like Father's Day as a release date. Hopefully that's that stays true, but that's going to be a cool little Father's Day treat. Uh, That'd be awesome. For everybody, but especially for me and my family. So That's really cool. It's really cool, dude. Awesome, man. You got your sheep. You have a Euro there. Are you doing a, a shoulder mount as well with a box set of horns? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So we're getting it. Um, Calvin up at uh, Trophy Room Taxidermy in St. Mm-hmm. George. He rushed this out and so we could get it back and did the Euro. He's got the Cape getting tanned now. And then I'm going to drive this back up to St. George area to take it to Trapperman Antlers and he'll do the replicas. And I think my dad's going to get a Euro replica. I'm going to do a skull cap replica and put that on the, on the mount that Calvin's doing. Mm-hmm. And then I'll keep this like this because it it's just, kitchen. it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Show the ramp, bring the ram over so everyone can see him. Let's see here. Yeah, so he had a some sort of a disease, right? Some kind of pneumonia that kind of deteriorated his antler, right on one side. Yep. So you can see it there. It's called sinusitis. I th- think is how you say it, but it's some sort of like bug or mite or something like that burrows into the cores of their their horns, 
and they try to break it off and get rid of it. And so that causes all this damage in here and it makes the horn softer too. And so they try to break it off. And when I was talking to the biologist, he was like, yeah, probably within a year, maybe two, he would have broken off this whole side of the horn. And a lot of times you'll see that where it's, if you see a one horned ram, they're probably really big on one side and complete and has no real chips, but the other side is completely broke off. And so Nevada has a, a one horned ram tag. Okay. And so you can go and, and do that and put in for that one horn ram tag. And it's actually different than putting in for a regular ram tag. And so it's its own hunt and everything. And it's more or less, it, one, it gives another person another opportunity to go kill a bighorn sheep, which already is slim. But two, it gets rid of a diseased animal that's probably going to die because of it has some sort of disease. And it just, they use their horns to protect themselves. And we found two lion kills oh, while we were out scouting. And it's just, it's real that those animals are fragile. And having that one horn ram, I think it's super unique to see. I've never even seen one, but I've heard about it a bunch. And shooting one with that disease is pretty cool too, because you're just like, you've heard about it, but you've never seen it and it adds so much more character to it. Yeah, it'd be cool to shoot a super complete ram, but I think it's cool just to have some character behind it and yeah, just an old battle horn of a ram dude it's know? super cool looking the one side is just sexy his left is just yeah. it's this it's like the, it'd be a little bro- it's broomed off it's just like yeah the perfect ram and then the other side having that character too like you said is really like cool two, two different sheep two different sheep it's it's yeah. a super cool euro dude what's going to be really cool is calvin's going to build a pedestal mount for it so that you can rotate it and so if you want to show off the sexy side, you can. Or if you want to show off the beat up side, you, you can do that too. So it all depends on the, mood, on the mood you're in that day. Like What's it, that? it all depends on your mood, which way you turn. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My wife will know what's what I'm feeling that day. If yeah. I'm you're pissed off, had a bad day at work. All right, dude, this has been the longest podcast I've done, man. We're hitting an hour and 40 minutes. It's fun right, talking man. to you. No, that's not yeah. at all. I'm freaking stoked. I want to hear all about, like I said, like I'm living vicariously through you, man. Like, to have somebody draw a ram tag with six points, it's just awesome. And everyone listening to this is just stoked for you and just Yeah. There's a story behind it too. It's yeah, I drew a ram tag and also I had a kid and also I was doing army stuff that like mm-hmm. it's just twenty twenty three man was insane. And I couldn't figure it out how it came to be that way. I'm just grace of God and I'm just super blessed to have that and it's just been a phenomenal year even though i only got to hunt one time it's been a phenomenal year you know? so, i would have dropped every hunt i went on, I know. on, one on one. I'm, sure, I'm sure anyone would and you hunted them where i want to hunt them like i want to hunt them in the area you were at in the copas yeah. or in the, the 40s i want to hunt that area like i just grown up out there and it's just really cool did they live there is un- unremarkable it's the the surface of the moon at some points mm-hmm. and you're just like how is anything living out here mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you'll see an animal like a deer a mule deer that's what the cool thing about mule deer is that they're just so adaptable to like any terrain so it's a cool area yeah dude sweet where can we find you what do you want people to find you are you public on instagram i don't know if you're public yeah i'm on yeah instagram ethan klein i do a little funny family joke or kl9 it was an old license plate so like literally KL9 was Klein on a license plate and that kind of just stuck with the family. Yeah, Ethan KL9 is my Instagram and yeah, that's I'm on GoHunt and reach out to me. Ethan at GoHunt.com is my email. So if you got optics questions, I'll probably actually refer you to Cody because he's the genius when it comes to optics. And but yeah, man, anything you need, just reach out. So awesome, dude. Let's let's do it again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good luck in Mexico. I've heard Sonora is going to be phenomenal. And 
yeah, man, that's going to be super cool. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Let's do it again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Tricer Podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.